Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Let's start with what we know so far, particularly the two big picks uh, by Donald Trump for his top post in his administration. I'm, I'm talking about the Attorney General nominee Jeff Sessions and his nominee for National Security Advisor General Michael Flynn. So any idea that you heard so many people say, well, now that he's elected, we're going to see the real Donald Trump. This is a different Donald Trump, right? He's not the hardliner and the extremist that he appeared to be during the campaign. That was just rhetoric. That was just big talk. You just watch. Give him a chance, and he's going to prove that he's really a, an okay kind of person and a reasonable person. No freaking way. No freaking way, given the nominations of Jeff Sessions and Michael Flynn. You could not get two people more extreme nor more unfit for those posts than Jeff Sessions for Attorney General and Michael Flynn for National Security Advisor. I mean, where do we start? Let's start with Jeff Sessions, okay? I mean, here is a man, remember, who was rejected by a Republican-controlled Senate back in 1986 because he was such a racist. And now he's going to be named to head the Justice Department? Oh, my God. Think about how racist you've got to be to get denied by the Republicans, by the Republicans yeah. in 1986. 86. Yeah, right. That's racist. That's for, really racist. For the things that he said and did uh, at the time, including uh, charging uh, volunteers for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, right, founded by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who were registering voters, charging them with uh, with breaking the law, basically, and inciting, not violence, but it's stirring things up or whatever, uh, just, just by registering voters. This is a man. So here's a man who's charged with enforcing the Voting Rights Act, who opposed the Voting Rights Act, and who called it an intrusive act. This is a man who called the Southern Christian Leadership Conference a communist-inspired organization. This is a man who said, I was okay with the KKK until I learned that some of them smoke pot. He, 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 he. Yeah, a big joke. I mean, this, this, is, this, uh, this is a man who opposes um, marriage equality. The, this is a man who says that waterboarding is fine. This is the man who supports a religious, a, a religious test and a registry for all Muslims in this country, a man who's supposed to be defending our constitutional rights, who's on record as willing to undermine them uh, across the board. I mean, he is the exact opposite of what you would expect 
from an attorney general in terms of enforcing the Constitution and protecting the rights of all Americans. And Donald Trump wants him to be our attorney general. On your comment about the um, the, the voter stuff that he got in trouble with, I just want to read yeah. quickly about that story. In 1985, Sessions <laughs> prosecuted three African-American community organizers in the Black Belt of Alabama, including Martin Luther King Jr.'s former aide, Albert Turner, for voter fraud. The prosecution stirred charges of, selected, of selective prosecution of black voter registration and was based on no more than 14 tampered ballots. The defendants were quickly acquitted. Now, Sessions yeah. was asked about because it was a total yeah, joke right, of a right. case. In 2009, Sessions was asked about this again, and he says, I did the right thing, but I failed to make the case. So he still thinks that he did the right thing. Right. And people can say, uh, okay, 1986, that was a long time ago, all right? But he hasn't changed since. He's only gotten worse. His positions today are just as bad. His position about Muslims is today, right? His position about the Voting Rights Act is today, not 30 years ago. A totally unfit, unqualified for the position. Uh, and then you have Michael Flynn. All right. Now, let's, let's just be honest about one thing. Michael Flynn has been nominated for National Security Advisor, former General Michael Flynn, because he could never get confirmed at any job. <laughs> He is so radical, so extreme, such a hardliner. Here again is a man who was fired. And people generally give him a pretty good job for being in charge of driving ISIS out of Iraq and out of uh, out of Syria when he was on that beat, I guess, before they, they, they relocated in Syria. But at any rate, he was given credit for that. But then he was made head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, and he did such a lousy job, he was fired. He was fired by James Clapper, the national uh, intelligence chief, for mismanagement, for, abu for abusing, a, a, a verbal abuse of, of people and just being impossible to work with. And then Michael Flynn just basically has spent the last four or five years attacking President Obama, uh, declaring that ISIS is our no, not only our number one enemy, but equating all Muslims with being radical extremist terrorist, if you will, denying that Islam is a religion at all. In fact, he said it's a political operation. Here he is just this last August in Dallas. Islam is a political ideology. It is a political ideology. It, it definitely hides behind this, I, this notion of it being a religion. Yeah, no, Islam, not a religion, not a religion at all, which runs counter to everything that the United States has said and stands for going back to the days of George W. Bush, if not before. This is also the man at the Cleveland Convention with the Republicans this year from the podium who led the chance of lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. This is a man who was, uh, as a consultant, had a contract representing the government of Turkey, which is hardly uh, <clears throat> a model democracy these days, he was, he was their consultant. He was their lobbyist here in Washington, D.C. And this is also uh, a man who went to Moscow not so long ago as a guest of Vladimir Putin. Well, I should say on Vladimir Putin's payroll, was given a great big fat fee to go over there to celebrate the, I think it was the 50th anniversary, whatever anniversary, of RT, the Russian TV network and sat at the dinner table right alongside of Vladimir Putin. So this is the guy, and again, an extreme hardliner, 
who's going to be, and I've learned this in my coverage of the White House, that the most important position of all on national security is a national security advisor because that national security advisor is right there in the White House. And everything that comes in from the Department of Defense, the Secretary of State, the National Intelligence Director, the Homeland Security Agency, it all comes to the national security advisor who is the filter then for what goes to the president that this is important and this is what we have to act on. And this one you can kind of, it's important, but you kind of you can kind of wait for a bit on this one. He's the guy that sets the priorities and it'll be this hothead Michael Flynn, more of a hothead than Donald Trump. And in that position, you don't need a hothead. You need somebody who's cool and rational, like a Susan Rice, like Condi Rice. Uh, Condi Rice was a good (laughs) national security advisor. Uh, Not him. uh, On top of all of that, which is all enough to exclude him from this position, he also appears to be a moron in that he has he has shared multiple fake news stories yes. on his Twitter account. Yeah, he's, CNN leaned in he's on this. He posted them. Right. And, got, and took a look. In late October, he retweeted a false claim that the United Nations Agenda 21, which is a sustainable development program, would create a one-world church where Christianity was prohibited and that choosing nationalism was the only way to stop Hillary Clinton. In July, he linked to a tweet that claimed Hillary Clinton was wearing a hijab in solidarity with Islamic terrorists. Uh, in another interest, in another instance, he linked to another fake news site questioning if an Iranian scientist was executed because he was exposed on Hillary Clinton's private email server. He's gone on and on and on of just not understanding how news works. Right. And he's the national security advisor. And again, this is a guy that head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, and he had created such problems that his fellow generals implored. James Clapper, the director of intelligence, to fire him, which President Obama agreed to. Imagine the tension. So his fellow generals don't trust him. They consider him a hothead. Imagine the tension that that's going to create between the White House and the Defense Department with Michael Flynn as uh, as a national security advisor. Two very, very troubling appointments on the part of President-elect Donald Trump. And that's just for openers, folks. So... Any idea, any any thought, right, that we're going to see a more mellow Donald Trump and a more establishment or a more rational kind of administration out the window with these two appointments? Here, warm inside today, um, cold outside, Arthur Delaney, Huffington Post. Arthur, Thanksgiving week, welcome in. Thank you. He is not even uh, sworn in yet, and already uh, Donald Trump has saved the day. He stopped a Ford motor plant from going to Mexico single-handedly, right, from Trump Tower. This was an amazing thing he tweeted last Thursday, that thanks to his hard work, Ford would be keeping its plant in Kentucky. And when he tweeted this, we were all like, what? That's great news. Look (laughs) at the power of President Trump. Right, exactly. Now, what's the truth? The truth is that Ford had no plans to close the plant in Kentucky. So Trump was uh, appeared to be totally making something up. Now, what it turned out was that he had spoken to the chairman of the company, and that person had told him, you know what, we were considering moving this production line at this at one of our plants. There are two in Kentucky. And now we won't. We're going to leave it at that plant. It makes uh, the MKC, which is like a, 
a, a crossover that doesn't sell very well, like the Ford Escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Trump just took that and ran with it on Twitter, saying, "I stopped Ford from moving a plant." But they'd already to made, Mexico. They'd already made the decision, right, before he talked to the guy. The, the, that's not clear. Um, some reporting has indicated that this wasn't something they were planning on doing. What's, it's certain that they had never announced they were doing this. Yeah. So Trump was talking about something nobody had heard of, and he there was <laughs> certainly no plan to shutter the plant. Like that was essentially a lie. Although with Trump, you know, there's this lower standard for, for grading what he says. Maybe he just misunderstood. So this became an argument in the media with Trump defenders saying, oh, come on. I mean, what there, there was truth in what he said. It's he, What he should have said was, they're not moving this production line. He overstated yeah. it by saying a plant would be closing. But that's that's really not an acceptable interpretation. I mean, when you say plant, you mean plant. And here's why this matters. You know, we got we get kind of bogged down in the argument over production line plant. Uh, during the campaign, Trump was always bashing this company because it had plans to expand a factory in Mexico. Right. That that Ford talked about all year. They're going to create nearly 3,000 jobs in Mexico starting this year. They're moving all of their small car production out of the United States because they can have lower labor costs and bigger profit margin on their small cars, like the Ford Focus. Mm-hmm. So Ford has battled this. They don't like the attention they've been getting from the Republican nominee. And then after he's elected, they give him, they throw him a bone and say, we're not going to move this one production line. Meanwhile, their Mexico plans are still on. Oh, really? Trump yeah, has so, not affected the yeah. thing he has been campaigning on. And this is a core part of the Trump economic, economic message. I'm going to stop companies from going to Mexico. Well, he's not. And this thing is a total distraction from the fact that his rhetoric against Ford totally failed. His threats of a tariff didn't affect the company's plans. They confirmed last week, just a couple days before Trump said he had won this coup from them, that in fact, yes, we're going to Mexico next year. So the three, the original 3,000 jobs, is, are these jobs that are being moved to Mexico? A whole no, they're not per- being moved to Mexico. The company says we're just expanding. starting in addition. And, you know, the union has said, yeah. well, sure, you're not taking jobs away, but these are jobs that you could have done right. they could, in the United States. 3,000 potential American jobs are going to be instead. I, and this uh, is just one of many things that has made this story a little confusing, right, given Trump right. the ability to throw sand in people's faces by talking about a production line that is totally irrelevant to the core fight he had been having with Ford Motor Company over uh, a, a plant expansion in Mexico and 2,800 jobs that would be going with it. Uh, I just wonder if PolitiFact has looked at this and uh, and, and and rated it as pants, fire, fire, right, was it? Liar, liar, pants liar, liar, on, pants fire. on fire, right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if they have, but I assume they have. I, I mean, I did a story immediately yeah. uh, with comment from the Ford. I mean, Ford Motor Company told me, no, we're not closing the plant. We had no plans to close the plant. They told another reporter who asked, you know, what role did Trump have in this decision to not move a production right. line? And they said none. Well, you know, one of the things that I think we've just got to figure out as as people who are in this business is like, how, how do you handle that? Because he does this so often where he just lies. And then we go, 
but you're not telling the truth, and then nothing matters. Right. It well, kind of, like, how, what do you do? I. This is a great question because during the campaign, actually, you know, a lot of media, including the Huffington Post, really aggressively called him a liar. Yes. And people don't care. People don't care. So, uh, you know, I personally have wondered if the, uh, you know, if it's enough to to just say, well, he's falsely said that he's doing this, or if you really need the more emotional uh, labeling and, and calling him a liar. I mean, it is lying. Yeah. I don't know, but at least I think we have a responsibility for anybody, any politician, to say when we know they're not telling the truth. It's so, going out to it, the American yeah. people I think what the a, truth yeah. is. It's important to explain, though, how this is, is operating, because this is how I think Trump will operate. This is uh, the company itself and Trump are mutually benefiting from this story because Ford hated the Mexico story. They would insist, no, we're not going to lay anyone so off. So now they can say, look, in Kentucky, we're... They yeah. get, yeah, we're, yeah. we're staying in America. Uh, mm-hmm. We got Donald Trump off our back. And Donald Trump gets to say that just by being elected, <laughs> he's saving jobs in the United States. The, the union, through collective bargaining, the United Auto Workers, had secured a billion dollars worth of investment at, this, at these Kentucky plants last year. These plants weren't going anywhere, and it had nothing to do mm-hmm. with Donald Trump. It had to do with the work of the UAW. All right. Now we get to the serious business with Jordan Fabian from The Hill. Covers the White House for The Hill. And we've got so much to talk about, Jordan, because you got the outgoing administration and the incoming administration. Yeah. It's like I have two jobs now. I, yeah. It's pretty it's, crazy. No. So, so, but I, I hate to tell you that I am going, I hate to tell you, but the fact is Carol and I are leaving today for a little Thanksgiving vacation, which means uh, that I will miss my favorite event of the year. Uh, Jamie, Jimmy Fallon talked about it last night, and it's... Uh, President Obama over the years has become a little, I think, less enthusiastic about this event. But I always attended it. I just can't make it this year. Here's Jimmy Fallon. On Wednesday at the White House, President Obama will pardon his final Thanksgiving turkey. (laughs) i got to say, after all these years, I'm not sure he enjoys it as much as he used to. Check this out. Uh, Today I have the awesome responsibility of granting a presidential pardon to a pair of turkeys. We can't wait to pardon these turkeys. And with that... I think we are going to bestow the official part. The most powerful position in the world brings with it many awesome and solemn responsibilities. This is not one of them. Uh, it, is, it is a little uh, puzzling that I do this every, day, every year. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. I've been to several of those things. It is funny. I remember one where the turkey was r- running around among the reporters. On the, you know, and it was kind of. And I was there when they had the the pair of turkeys. But so oh, yeah. it's coming up tomorrow, Jordan, you'll be there. I, I will. I would hope. We yeah. count on you to be there. Boom, boom. Wouldn't miss the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, a, a, a hot take prediction next year. Trump eats the turkey. Trump's going to kill the turkey and eat it for Thanksgiving. <laughs> there goes the turkey. If the turkey gets loose, you got you really got to just shoot just, it. I get to see Trump with a great big... Yeah. I don't know. I can't see Trump touching livestock. It's just that... Ooh, that's yeah. a good point. Well, he'll have someone do it he'll, for him. Yeah. He'll just stand there. <laughs> yes. I just want to say, first of all, that uh, this turkey is beautiful turkey. It's a, it's a wonderful turkey. Uh, we're going to eat this son of a bitch right now. Let's just cut his head off and let's put it in the oven. <laughs> 
Do you remember that Sarah Palin video where the, yes! the guy in back of her oh my was God. eating the turkeys? <laughs> just like shoving a turkey's head into a grinder. <laughs> She's like sitting there talking, and there's this guy in overalls. Like looks at the camera with a turkey's hand, and then looks back at this thing and just, <laughs> just like grinds a turkey's head into a stump. <laughs> <laughs> with Sarah Palin looking on. NBD. <laughs> Do that look behind the curtain. Oh, my God. Oh, that was so funny. Looking at this new administration coming in, Jordan, and looking at the very rocky relationship, almost hate-filled relationship that Donald Trump has had with the media, um, there are real concerns about the role of the media in a Trump White House, aren't there? They're very real concerns, and, and this is a... Topic of friction that's been going on since the campaign, and it's continued into the transition. Uh, a couple of the issues, Trump has refused to travel with the press pool. So, so usually usually presidents... Won't allow them to follow him around, right? I don't, right. Well, they can follow yeah. him around, but they just they haven't traveled oh. they, they haven't traveled on the plane. I mean, oh, the whole yeah. point of having the, the protective pool nearby, right, is to make sure that the press is nearby and can talk to the president in time of crisis mm-hmm. and... You know, if if the the press isn't on the plane, you know, when let's say, let's say Trump goes somewhere, uh, that that won't happen. Uh, you know, he when he went to New Jersey last weekend, they weren't the press wasn't allowed to travel the motorcade. So if something happened when he was driving for an hour and a half, the, no coverage. So that's not happening. Uh, he, he went w- out to dinner in New York. He went no, out to dinner in no New York, pool. ditched the pool. Uh, and and, 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 and this, this you might may seem, think that that's not important. But Ronald Reagan goes to give a speech at the Hinckley, well, I'm, I'm sorry, at the Hilton, Washington <laughs> Hilton, you know, in his day. You would think, no big deal. He's just going up the street to give a little speech. And look what happened. Exactly. And you if know, the but, press hadn't been there. Uh, on 9-11, George W. Bush was in Florida. And if the press wasn't traveling with him and traveling on Air Force One, there, we literally would not have known, except for the accounts of government officials, where the president was on the biggest... You know, national mm-hmm. crisis since Pearl Harbor. So, uh, you know, that's it's crazy to think about. So that's that's why the press gets angry when you know Donald Trump ditches them to to go to dinner. You know, the, the press doesn't want to go sit and, and watch him eat a steak. They just want to make sure that you know he's in the vicinity and mm-hmm. you know we we know his whereabouts. Right. It, it, it also kind of gets into this right. idea that that Donald Trump wants to be everything that angry conservatives thought that Obama was, right? They accused him of being a dictator or some sort of an emperor, right? But <clears throat> we knew what Obama was up to, right? Donald Trump doesn't want to have to answer any of those questions, so he wants to just insulate himself from anybody knowing what he's doing. And that's scary. Uh, what about what about press briefings, which you and I go to? You every day I, with some regularity. Uh, will there be any? It's who knows. I I it's just, I don't know. Will they be every day? Right. We just don't know these things yet. I, we don't. The Trump team hasn't communicated. They don't what, have to have what them, they right? want. Right. And there's no there's no law requiring that they occur. It's just been a tradition since I'm I'm pretty sure going back to the days of like Truman and, and Eisenhower where, where these I briefings think, occurred. Think, yeah, I think FDR. FDR. Might have been the yeah. First, right. So, <clears throat> and then the Clinton administration was the first to put them on TV. Um, so these these this is a briefing that's happened for mm-hmm. you know a few decades. Yeah. But it's it's there's no law requiring it, so they don't have to do it. Trump hasn't had a press conference himself in more than a hundred days, and 
you know, he rolls out yesterday his agenda. I remember when they were yeah. really hammering Hillary Clinton for right. not having a news right. conference for and, and now he's completely disappeared. Um, he's done one interview, 60 Minutes. He did another interview with the Wall Street Journal. And that's pretty much the only questions he's taken since he was elected president, which is it's crazy to think about. The, the well, president, even, yeah, and when Obama before. was elected in 2008, he did a news conference on the Friday after he was elected. And no one, I don't think, of the press corps would say that the Obama administration has been great for right. media access yeah. and transparency. So we're, we're really kind of in uncharted waters here with Trump. And I, I think if anyone says they know what's going to happen with media, they're, they're kidding themselves. I, I don't think any of us really know what's going to happen. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. We welcome to the program to help us sort through maybe some of the angst of this first post-election Thanksgiving. Uh, Mara Judkus is with the Washington Post uh, and joins us in studio. Hi, Mara. Nice to see you. Hi. Thanks for having me. So, Mara, I... Um, I had coffee with a friend yesterday morning, and uh, he was saying uh, afterwards as we were leaving that um, I told him we were going out of town for Thanksgiving. He said, no, I'm staying here, and I've been invited by these friends, and I just hate the thought of going. I like them, but I know it's going to be all about politics. I know it's going to be all about this election. Um, I, I talked to my sister, said the same thing. She was thinking, oh, my God, we got to sit down with some of these people that I know voted for Donald Trump. Uh, this is going on, Peter. You're going down to uh, South Carolina. <coughs> yeah, I am. I'm going down to South Carolina. My my parents are both big Trump supporters. Uh, um, so you've yeah. been writing about this. Are, are there? Well, what's the secret to survive? Go away, run away. <laughs> First of all, I have my own tip. By the way, just drink a lot of bourbon. Drown yourself that's in liquor. A lot of people are going to be. Yeah, doing. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, yeah, that's that's probably not the most. <laughs> People that you've talked to, what are they saying? What's the? Well, I mean, it really just depends on your family. Is the thing like, are you from a family where people can have a respectful conversation and can listen to each other and and come away from this conversation not like crying or screaming or like Real Housewives style like table flipping stuff? Well, I'm screwed. <laughs> well, I, was just, I, I was just thinking about Brad Woodhouse and his brother. Sure, yeah, that's right, that's right. I hope they're not at Thanksgiving together. Although their their mom would be able to help them come together a little bit, right? She sort of helped. Know, but bring yeah, no, you're right. But how how many families can have a calm, cool, rational discussion <laughs> about politics, particularly this election? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really too bad that Thanksgiving comes so close to the election because, <laughs> you know, the holidays are already really stressful. Like, there's traffic, you have to drive, you're cooking for hours, you have people maybe staying with you. It's a lot of stress. And then on top of that, it's like this year that we've had 
it just adds to it. So, so I mean, I guess what I talked to some therapists for this story. Oh, and whoa. some of their advice. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> you know, they're all dealing with this too with their patients. They said that every single patient that they've seen has been really concerned about how the election is affecting their family. And so um, when <laughs> when you decide to bring this up with your family, I guess the question is like, first of all, how how are they going to handle it? Um, will you be able to have a productive conversation too? Because I mean, most people's minds aren't going to be changed. And, you know, it's hard to say really what to do for some families because there are some people who, of course, are going to, to not want to prioritize having like a a peaceful, like nice, polite turkey dinner over standing up for for people's rights. And um, at the same time, there are some families who, who, you know, this conversation is not going to be productive and it's just going to ruin this meal that maybe your mom has spent seven hours cooking. So the therapists were saying that it's okay to have that conversation at a different time if mm. you if you want to. Uh, meaning... What, what meaning? You, <laughs> meaning you Christmas. Just, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Let's do it another holiday because just Thanksgiving is already so great. Well, meaning Let's not ruin it you with could, this. You could just declare politics off the table. Off the table. Off the table. So yeah. I'll just play devil's avocado. By the way, I think that's a that's a pretty good rule. Just say. You I think it's. I, I think that's a good rule. That's the rule that that I have adopted with my family. But like I said, if I could just play devil's avocado for a second, because yeah. I've got a friend whose mother voted for Trump. Uh And she says, I'm going to come for Thanksgiving, but I don't want to talk about Trump. And the mother goes, oh, no, no, we need to talk about this. You have got to talk about this with me because he's our president now, and you're going to come around to respect our president. And there is a like just this anger from both sides. And so there is no avoiding it. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do? Well, you have that conversation. You and, drink. And, and, yes, and you drink. And you drink. Yes, yes. Yeah. Or you have Daniels it at another time. Yeah. Maybe I mean, she's coming for the weekend. You know? Yeah. You have it on Saturday, maybe. Right. Yeah. So or that Friday morning or something. So but, that you don't yeah. ruin Thanksgiving. <laughs> or 3 a.m. You know? when you're so riddled with anxiety that you can't go to sleep that you just go wake him up and have the conversation then? That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> that is also an option. Okay. All right. <laughs> I guess maybe my attitude would be depending on what the numbers are. Like, if the numbers are on my side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're looking for factions? Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. All right. That's fair. If it's like eight to two. Yeah. Let's that's you. Let's it. have it. Let's yeah. go for yeah. it. Right. Let's beat the pulp out of these Trump voters. <laughs> Well, if the numbers are not uh, on your the side, are, then yeah. I'd say, yeah, uh, it should be a zone sanitaire. You can also just go to the other room, too, if you feel like you're really being attacked. I mean, that that's a good tactic. It's just kind of like get out of the situation. And but I'm not making it up. Is, this is a big deal, this Thanksgiving. Yeah, people are it? really worried about it. Yeah, there's some people who have um, uninvited other members from their family Thanksgivings, and some people are relieved about that. Whoa. Some people are upset about it, too. So. John Allen coming in and joining us from Roll Call and Sidewire. Uh, John, it's good to see you. Much to talk about today. Uh, Very much to talk about. Good to see you. Good to see Peter. What's up, John? Let's start with a meeting that didn't get uh, maybe as much attention as it should last weekend here in Washington, D.C., where the National Policy Institute met. I like these guys, by the way. At the Ronald... <laughs> and I'm going to explain in a minute why I like okay. these guys. <laughs> at, the, 
I hope you can't wait to hear where that goes. At the Ronald Reagan Building of all places, this is a group of white nationalists, and their leader is this guy named Richard Spencer. Any idea what their agenda is? Here is somebody finally came up with a little soundbite of Richard Spencer's address to this group of 200 white yahoos. Hail Trump! Hail our people! Hail victory! Hmm. Sound familiar? And, you know, their creed is uh, we are a country founded by white people, of white people, by white people, and the United States should be the place where all white Europeans can come and be happy and everybody else should get out. Why do you like these people? I don't like these people. Uh, But there's something that I like about them more than uh, I like about other white supremacists, which is that they are actually telling you what they they think, and they are owning what they believe, as opposed to uh, the White House uh, chief of, uh, not chief of staff, the incoming White House chief strategist, Steve Bannon, who pretends that he is not. At some point, uh, whether you're a white supremacist or not, you're uh, mingling with them, and your fomentation of their hatred uh, essentially leaves you indistinguishable from them. I believe Steve Bannon is at that point and has been at that point for a long time. And frankly, Donald Trump and Donald Trump's family have also encouraged this behavior. Yeah. Uh, I think that covering it up and being dishonest about what you really believe uh, is, especially when you run for public office, uh, you know, is a detriment to the public. So uh, to the credit of these crazy, and people call them alt-writers, but actually they're just Nazis, yeah. neo-Nazis, white supremacists, whatever, Uh to their credit, at least they're willing to go out there and say it so we can see evil and hatred uh, pure. Uh, and something else, another point that uh, that Rich ben, Rich, uh, Richard Spencer, uh, uh, Jamie, if we can, where uh, you talk about Nazis, anti-Semites, I mean, again, they make no bones about it. Here's Richard Spencer talking about Jews. One wonders if these people are people at all. <laughs> or instead soulless golem animated by some dark power to repeat whatever talking point John Oliver stated the night before. Yeah. I mean, what, Dad, what more blatant, right, outright anti-Semitism can you hear? Also ironic that he's reading off of notes, obviously, from the haltings of his voice, and he's making fun of people for talking about John Oliver talking points, which was his yeah. talking point. But. To the substantive piece, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, CNN ran a Chiron yesterday. Yeah. Are Jews people? Yeah. I mean, it's, I it's go on attributed record. the question it, to, to, the, yeah. to the guy. I just want to go on record, and I'm, I'm sorry to offend. I think Jews are people. I like to not stereotype all of the Jewish people. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that. But the point is, can you imagine under <laughs> any other circumstances than a Donald Trump election where a group like this could have an openly white racist supremacist meeting in Washington, D.C. in the Ronald Reagan building? I mean, it's surely Ronald Reagan is rolling over in his grave. Uh, I, mean, I don't think he would. No, yes, no, I, honestly. Yeah. He's rolling over in his grave. I mean, this yeah, is disgusting. This is, this is totally disgusting. You know, part of the thing to me, though, is, you know, yeah. I get that this is not all Trump supporters, okay? And I get that these, this isn't everybody who voted for Trump. But let's just say, for example, that there was a meeting of the Black Panthers, right, that was celebrating Barack Obama's win. And they did it in a, in a federal building. And they had a, 
which, by the way, the Black Panthers are nowhere near as offensive and grotesque as, as Nazis. As Nazis. Yeah. But let's just say, for example, that that happened. Yeah. Can you imagine the outrage and how it would be tied back to Barack Obama? Donald Trump has created a climate yeah. for a group of people who I thought was dying off in the 80s. But. To find a louder, larger voice and a bigger audience than they have had in turns a long, out they, long time. Turns out they were Hail. just sitting in our rural communities not voting. Right. Yeah. Hail Trump. It's that economic Hail. anxiety, right. I guess. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Yes, a final word on Jeff Sessions. How bad is it going to be under Donald Trump? Even worse than we thought. Imagine this, a man who was rejected for a federal judgeship by a Republican-controlled Senate back in 1986 because of his racist views could very well be the next Attorney General of the United States. Upholding the Constitution, enforcing the law, protecting civil rights, there could not be a worse candidate than Senator Jeff Sessions of Alabama. Nope. If you believe in civil rights, women's rights, workers' rights, gay rights, fasten your seatbelt, friends. Jeff Sessions is against every one of you. That's my parting shot for today. Have a great, great Tuesday. Come back and see us again tomorrow, day before Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll have some more celebrating here at the Bill Press Show. Peter Ogburn here is a friend of Bill. Happy Thanksgiving. This we'll see you tomorrow. is the we'll Bill Press Show. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.